Welcome back. This is the Multipod. We're coming up to the end of the dreaded year 2020, but we've got something that will, I'm sure, bring a smile to your face. It's bringing a big smile to all of our faces, and it's someone we've been looking forward to speaking with since we launched this show. Now, this show is going to be about the topic of, of kind of anniversaries and milestones, one of which is coming up for this little podcast of ours. We're coming up on three years. It's crazy since we launched it at the beginning of uh, 2018, right? 18, 19, 20. So, <laughs> and so that's one anniversary. Another anniversary is the 10 years of the launch of Putty Like, the blog. And I believe we're up on about eight years of the Putty verse. But uh, tied in with all these milestones is just the thought of, of reflecting on that journey. And who better to reflect on all of this with than someone we've been longing to talk to for a long time. And I really feel quite content that this is the moment to do it. And so welcome to the show, Emily Wapnick. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. <laughs> it's great. It's really wonderful. Vanessa's here with us too. Yes, hello. We're really excited to have you as well. <laughs> yeah, so um, the catalyst really was the change of the name from Putty Tribe to Putty Verse. And as the recording of this, this just happened a couple of days ago. So we're all, it, it's really neat to see the actual change. It seemed like quite a seamless, from our perspective, now this would be interesting to hear your perspective, but from us uh, yeah. observing it, it seemed to be a pretty seamless thing. You just kind of flip the switch and suddenly, oh, there's a new logo, yeah. a new URL and all the rest. That's what it looks like to us, which I'm sure you'll probably be glad to hear because that was likely your goal. <laughs> what was it like behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, Joel would actually be the person to ask this sure. question too. Um, he is so good at taking care of all of the little details, all the technical things that I would never think of. He had spreadsheets. He <laughs> broke down the tasks, you know, classic Joel. Um, I awesome. had a little bit of work to do. I um, did some of the design, like the, the logo and some of the images and um, did everything on the putty-like side and social media and stuff like that. But the technical, the like hardcore technical stuff, that was Joel and some helpers that we found through Joel. So um, that's awesome that you guys felt like it was really smooth. One thing I was thinking about is like, with the name change, is this a time for like a redesign? And I decided not to pursue that for several reasons. One of which was I really wanted it to feel like the world of the putty peep wasn't being turned upside down. So like we might do that at some point. We probably will because every website needs an upgrade at some point. But yeah, I just wanted it to be like an easy, natural switch. And so it's yeah, it's great to hear that it felt good to you guys. <laughs> Can we actually get just a short background for those who are listening who might not know why you decided to change the name because it was Putty Tribe and mm -hmm. da 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 da, it's now Puttyverse. <laughs> yeah. So we basically wanted to remove tribe from our name out of respect for Indigenous people and traditions. It's not something I realized at first when I launched the community. The tribe is used constantly in okay. sort of like the entrepreneurial blogger space. Um, people are like, find your tribe, build your tribe. And so I didn't really think about it. But over the last, let's say, even the last year or so, people started bringing it to my attention. I started learning about the issues around that word and just realizing, yeah, like, we want to be an inclusive space. And this is kind of 
a racist word and I don't like that we're using it. And I just was just feeling really bad about it. And I was like, we have to, we have to change this, like just not in line with our values and with who we want to be as a community. Yeah. I appreciate that when you made the announcement in that video, I think back in September or so, and you weren't uh, equivocal about it. You were quite decisive. You said, this is, this is Mm -hmm. going to happen. And I appreciate that you made that decision, right? It wasn't up for discussion or we're thinking about it. This is happening. Mm-hmm. I think totally we needed agree. that kind of direction. Yeah. So that was that was good. Yeah. Did you consider any other names besides, or maybe suffix besides verse? Uh, yeah. I mean, I did a ton of brainstorming and I was not coming up with very much that was good. Um, <laughs> I was coming up with a lot of terrible names and putty verse was one that I liked that I just kind of kept coming back to. And everyone, every time I ran it past someone, they were like, oh, that sounds good. I like that, you know? And so I just, yeah, at a certain point, I was like, I can't think of anything better. And I really like putty verse. And I like the sort of literary connotations of, of the verse and poetry. And so that's what we went with. Personally, I think it's perfect. Yeah, it's a, it's a, <laughs> nice, a nice sound. It'll be interesting to see in a few years if... If uh, all the marketing gurus out there are like, you got to go find your verse, find your verse, <laughs> build your verse. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be so amazing. I would be all over that. That would be awesome. Um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because one question I had for you was, what would you say your relationship to the community is like these days? Do you feel like more like maybe a cog in the wheel, so to speak, or the wise godmother? <laughs> I would say um, neither. (laughs) (laughs) That is totally fair. (laughs) Um, You know, when I started the Puttyverse back in, geez, 2012, I think it was. I started it because I didn't want to be the wise godmother. I I didn't want to be like this guru who was just sharing my advice. I felt like we are this resourceful, smart creative community and we should be helping each other and there's so many people with like great ideas and who've been through similar things and so I want to link them up with each other and sort of be there to lead the ship I guess and um, but really empower people to take initiative and connect with each other and help each other um, I would say that this year 2020 because of everything because of the pandemic and the fact that everyone has been, more stressed out, people have been at home more. I've felt an personally like an increased sense of purpose around the puttyverse and just just a feeling like my work and my presence in the community is is important and that has felt really good. We've added a bunch of events and I've just been in the community more. Um and that that's felt really nice. Um I mean I was around before, but yeah, this year it just felt more important to support my buddy Beep and to be there. As someone who is in the community, uh, I've noticed that. And it's been really nice because I've been in forums where there's sort of this uh, <laughs> pay no attention <laughs> to the man behind the curtain or whatever, you know, Wizard of Oz thing, um, where you kind of have this person who started it and then they're not super active. And it just feels, you know, that might be a perfectly fine community, but it's really nice to have that person come out and say, 
this is me. This is these are my values. This is what we're doing here. Let's get excited. Like you kind of have to have a little bit of that. I don't know the word. I want to say cheerleader. That's not quite right. But yeah, I've really appreciated seeing you come out more and and talk about just just be involved. Yeah. And I I don't feel like I need to like our community runs perfectly well. We've got a great team and like members are super involved. But it's been it's been nice to sort of like get involved in the ways that I like being involved. Like I've been running focus parties, which I'm really enjoying. And oh, I love those. I do those. Can you tell us a bit about that quickly? Just I haven't been to, been to one yet. What's it like? Yeah, so it's basically two hours of co-working. We do um, four Pomodoros, so 25-minute timers uh, with short breaks between. At the beginning, we go around and talk about what we're going to be working on, and people work on all kinds of different things, like work work and you know, hobbies and art and cleaning their room. And <laughs> I was in one once recently where somebody was building a couch, putting a there couch together. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. And then we have different ways of doing it. So like I run the Thursday focus party and Heather K wanted to add a second one. So she is running them on Tuesdays and she, you know, she's a yoga teacher, so she makes everyone stretch midway and do a whole thing. And I have a thing that I've started doing where we do like a 30 second dance party midway through. And that has been like a fun tradition that people have been digging. I'll like find a song and put it on and we'll like all dance for 30 seconds. And it's a good break to the to the flow. But yeah, it's it's super fun. And it feels kind of magical. Like you get so much done just by seeing other people working there. We're all muted. But like I see them in the corner of my screen and I'm like, okay, they're focused. So like I'm focused too. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting because, you know, this, this, this group, just the Puttyverse in general is so online and you would think that you'd get a bunch of people together on zoom and you wouldn't really feel that energy but Mm -hmm. it's it's there so i love the focus parties i haven't actually been to the i've been to one thursday one and you weren't there yeah that (laughs) happens going on tuesdays because that's better for my schedule but um i like the dance party idea Mm -hmm. that's cool (laughs) that sounds great yeah I'll, i'll have to check out that soon because i need that kind of focus (laughs) <laughs> to get stuff done. Yeah, it's good. It's just something about having everybody online at the same time working and you look over at the Zoom and everybody's like focused and yep. doing their thing. Because it can cool. feel so isolating, of course, when you're by yourself in your little office or whatever. Yeah. And to see other people around you working, that's the one kind of component that we miss so much. So what's it like to think of the early days of Putty? That's either the blog or the community, but just the whole identity. What's it like to think of the early days when it was something so new and unproven and um, even unknown and seeing now how well it has done over all that time? I was like in a very different place in my life and just my approach to the project, to the business, to the community was so different. Back in 2010, I mean, I was sort of among this cohort of bloggers that had been inspired by like Tim Ferriss and Chris Gillibo and folks like that. And there was so much excitement about just like doing things differently and like starting your own thing and you know, nonconformity and all those ideas. And I just, I was like, I worked a lot. It was like, I would just like spend my days like working on potty like and like brainstorming and like it was so much excitement. And I still, you know, I still feel that to some degree, but it's really different now um, because it's been 10 years and this thing exists and sort of has become its own thing. And there's like all these hundreds of people in the Puttyverse and then, you know, thousands more outside of that. And 
it feels like fewer like super highs and super lows and more just like I feel proud of my work and the amazing people I get to work with. It, It feels more stable and it feels like we've created this thing that is good in the world and that helps people feel more connected and feel like my whole life and my whole outlook is different, but it's hard to articulate. (laughs) Well, sure. It's such an organic thing. No, I find it uh, interesting that you say that because as somebody who has tried to start a couple of businesses and has, I don't want to say failed, but has struggled with that, it's nice to hear there's this sort of idea that when you have a business, you have to be working your butt off Mm. constantly, Mm. no sleep, you know, no rest for the weary, all that stuff. Uh, It's nice to hear that you were able to work really hard at first, of course, and then that it that it evened out eventually. And that now you're, you're like, okay, I can sort of see the fruits of my labor, so to speak, and uh, have it be a steady thing that you've that's kind of grown with you and that you've grown with. And it's nice to hear that it's not mm-hmm. always just busting your mm-hmm. butt to have your business be successful sort of thing. And also, I think you'd probably agree that success has different definitions, you know? So yes, of course, monetary success is very important, but there's all this other value that comes out of what you do, right? So that's really cool and inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also like sort of in the middle there when I was preparing for the TED Talk and then the TED Talk happened and then the book deal and the book came, like... There was and like a lot of speaking engagements. There was like yeah. this period between 2015 and 2017, 18 that was kind of crazy and exciting and stressful and like really like I'd been sort of slowly steadily building the business and then things kind of went a little bit sort of went crazy um in this really positive way that I, I felt like I was prepared for at that point. If it had happened at the beginning, it wouldn't I mean, I don't think it would have happened at the beginning, but like yeah. And then Coming down from like how to be everything and speaking, I I just sort of wanted some quiet. And I think that's why we can maybe we'll talk about this Mm. at some point in the interview. But like that's sort of part of the reason I wanted to move to a more remote area and connect with nature more. And I'm not doing any COVID aside. I'm not doing any speaking engagements. And I haven't for a while because I've just been like, yeah, I did that. I said what I needed to say and like now I just kind of want some quiet and I want to like focus on my online community and just thinking more intentionally about the life that I want and the business that I want to run um, and not do like what you're supposed to do because I think I'm I was supposed to be yeah. like a social media influencer and like do bigger speaking gigs and write more books and like and yeah I just have gotten better at listening to myself. Awesome yeah. Do you get a lot of pressure to do more, to do another TED Talk, to write another book, things like that? Less so now. I feel like it was a thing when my book came out and maybe the year after people would be like, when, what's the next book about? When's the next book coming out? It's like, um, right. Those questions have mostly stopped, which is nice. And and if I decide to write another book at some point, <laughs> cool. Like, great. great. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I I love that. whole answer that you gave because as a person who sort of does some business dabbling it just is really nice to hear that that doesn't have to be the only way and i love you're reminding me yes i need to think about intentional living as well more often like i need to think about it more in my life so yeah awesome do you feel that your identity is attached or intertwined with the putty brand to an acceptable or comfortable level like do you worry about only being known for that that's such a multi-potential question. 
Um, no, I I don't think so. I, I think that if I, well, because being known for being a multi-potentialite or like the poster child for (laughs) multi-potentiality sort of implies that I have other interests and I might do other things, additional things. It's kind of a meta thing. Yeah, it's pretty meta. So... (laughs) I feel like um, that's not a concern. And it's like, that is such an authentic identity for me. It feels pretty open. So getting pigeonholed as a multipod is fine with me. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Have you found a secret to making and maintaining a good commitment? I mean, the success of Putty Like and the the 10-year anniversary suggests you found a, a good balance to that because of course what do we all struggle with it's like i have this great idea this project that i really want to do and i might work on it for like a few months even a couple years but like 10 years and i mean you have the business reason to obviously keep it up but has it been a struggle or what's your looking back especially what's it been like to make having made that commitment now for so long yeah i mean there are so many things that i've gotten to do through putty like and the putty verse and i mean everything from you know, running a conference to writing books to like design work. And it's, it's been this like nice umbrella that's led me to do many things and think about a lot of different topics. There have definitely been moments when I've been like, what if I just <laughs> go do this other totally different thing? But I love my work also. And it's just like, it's never really gotten boring. <laughs> And I de- it definitely doesn't feel boring at all on a day-to-day basis, even though I've been doing it for so long. Yeah, I mean, I have a few outside projects, and I have had a few outside projects over the years, and that's fine. And I'm just trying to remember what your initial question even was. <laughs> oh. Um, have you found a secret to making a good commitment? I think it's just having a project or projects that are broad enough and multifaceted enough to keep you interested and excited. And like, if your interests, you want to learn a new skill or like something shifts, if there's a way to like integrate that into your work, then I've definitely done that. I mean, I was just editing our little promo video for the putty verse, which I needed to update because it just has me saying putty tribe throughout the whole thing. Um, And I was like, okay, I've got this new, DSLR camera, I'm going to use it. But then I was like, it's too dark in our cabin. So I had to like, get a light. And I just spent like a day setting up the whole studio thing and like recording the video and like memorizing the script. And I was like, wow, I'm using like a lot of skills from like film school and other skills that I don't normally use, but I found a way to, to use them. And they've been really helpful in this one thing. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think about uh, the idea of you can have hobbies that you don't have to make money doing or the idea that people have where you should be making money doing everything you do. <laughs> and I'm just curious what you what you say about that, because you're talking about inter interweaving yeah. all sorts of projects and interests and stuff like that. So I'm curious what your what your view is. On I that. just, you know, I think a lot of that stuff is really stupid. <laughs> Like a lot of that advice, <laughs> like there's no one way to do everything. Um, yeah. I think that as long as overall in your life, you have like the money that you need to live and to, you know, meet your financial goals and you have the variety that you need to satisfy your you know multipod yeah. nature, 
then like who cares what's making money and what isn't mm-hmm. right yeah love it <laughs> yeah i feel i've been coming to that realization lately too that Me yeah too. it's okay to feel good about things that don't make money frankly which mm-hmm. almost sounds kind of cold like it's not like everything has to earn you money but um as long as you're paying the bills i could have some other job or part-time job or whatever if I'm happy doing it, it gives me the work-life balance, pays the bills that say enough that I need, or maybe in part, uh, and otherwise have the time and the freedom to do these other projects, right? And like you find whatever balance suits your goals and your lifestyle, and that includes just how much money you need and, and I don't know, your spending habits. Like, do you, do you consume a lot of stuff? Do you have a lot of like subscriptions and things nowadays? They're everywhere and like... I mean, some people do, and, and I always say, if if that's if that's what you want, you know, that's fine. I, I believe in being intentional. If you want to buy something, I buy. I don't like spending a lot of money, but I buy something if I know I'm going to use it, and that's okay. I just bought a new screen. I'm staring at it right now. It's I've got a, a second screen here for my setup. It was a couple hundred bucks, but it's great. I mean, I'm yeah. going to use it. That was a that was a worthwhile investment. But I'm not going to. I don't know. I'm not going to buy some random thing off of uh, Amazon, of course, or wherever else, just, you know, it might seem tempting just for the moment. I have to be intentional You're about it. You're not my husband who <laughs> loves clickbait, 20 best things to buy on Amazon, and then sends me links of things, and then I get to decide whether or not we buy them. <laughs> oh, no. That's a blanket no. <laughs> I think it's funny. Usually it's like, okay, this is not in the budget, but thanks for letting yeah. me know that it exists. <laughs> Maybe maybe some good like holiday present ideas in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Stocking right. stuffers. <laughs> I look around with people that I work with, people that I know, and it's like they I, I figured maybe I've asked them about this. I figured they're comfortable working full time, year round, of course, you know, whatever a couple of weeks holiday, Monday to Friday, nine to five and all that kind of stuff, which I've always abhorred. But other people, I'm <laughs> assuming, I'm hoping for their sake, they're comfortable living that way and doing that thing because it earns them the income they need to to live the life they want to live. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know? Yeah. And for me, I would rather have less things and less financial commitments and be smarter. But you had to plan. You had to make, you know, smart choices and kind of set yourself up for that. But if that yeah. then gives me the freedom to only work part-time or seasonally, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that's my choice. Of course, it means I have fewer things, but that's my choice. I feel such freedom in having that kind of um, flexibility. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, totally. Like like Emily said, there's no wrong or right way because we're all individuals and yeah. Totally. A question that I have for you, Emily, is, um, I guess, yeah, speaking about projects and things that we do, whether it's for money or not, how do we let go of things that we've started but aren't going to necessarily finish without too much judgment on ourselves or being too sad? And, and, and how do we know when to move on from something? Yeah, good questions. I think, so first of all, for me, realizing that I'm a multi-potentialite and that multipods, you know, we do a lot of things and sometimes projects last a while and other times they don't. Just mm-hmm. realizing that about myself really helped because it was like, okay, if I'm if I'm not pursuing this thing anymore, it isn't like I don't have to have an existential crisis. It doesn't mean um, <laughs> I'm a failure or like I don't know who I am. Like I'm a multipod. And that sometimes happens, and my identity is still like I, I still am me, um, and I think that's that's like a mistake that people often make 
when they haven't heard of about this stuff or they're they're younger um like i just i remember i was super into music as a teenager and in my early 20s and then at a certain point i like stopped being able to write songs and i just didn't know who i was and i just felt so lost and that that happened a few times um and now i don't that wouldn't happen to me do i still feel sad sometimes when i become interested in something and you know start a little project and then i lose interest or it's not working out for whatever reason yeah i i still feel sad sometimes but also then there are new projects and those are exciting and i don't i try not to look at things as failures i it's just you know it's part of my body of work and the canon of emily <laughs> right right and we all have that um, and usually yeah. I learn skills along the way that I might apply in other areas. I like small projects. I'm a fan of small projects. So if I like become interested in something and I'll try and like find a small, like a little project that I can finish to get that like sense of completion and I can be like, okay, I did that thing. That was cool. Now I can move on. Yeah. yeah. And then how do you know when to let something go? Is, was that? Yeah. How do you know? When to move on to something yeah. uh, from something. I'm kind of thinking about projects I've done in my life where they're not necessarily completed, though mm. there's always the argument that people make about art or writing, etc., that it's never really complete. Right. But yeah, how do you know when it's time to just kind of like put something aside mm. and pick it up later if you want to or don't want to, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a really good point you make right there. You can put something aside and return to it. Like you don't, it doesn't yeah. need to be this big farewell. You can just put it aside, right. and if you feel yourself being drawn back to it, that's that's fine. You can pick it up off the shelf again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the challenge here is knowing the difference between um, sort of reaching your personal endpoint versus like resistance, or you know that like force inside when you're pursuing something creative, especially that's like, oh, do I <laughs> suck at this? Like imposter syndrome yeah. stuff. Like oh, I really don't want to work on this oh, novel. Yeah. Like there's like. 10 other things I'd rather do. Like, it sounds so hard. Like yeah. that force inside that is very real when you're doing something creative and scary. Um, and just like being able to figure out the difference between that. Like, do I, am I not wanting to work on this project because of resistance or because I'm like actually done with this project? And I find that those two things like feel differently in your body. Hmm. Usually with resistance, there's some like level of excitement or like fear. It's like more intense. Right. You know, and then with reaching your actual end point, usually it's this more dull feeling. It's like something that creeps up on me slowly. And I'm like, okay, I think I have to admit to myself that like this isn't challenging anymore. Like, I know exactly what you mean. Like the one for me is when I get excited about something, my mind, this is just me, but my mind kind of races and I'm thinking about it a lot. And, and um, I'm thinking about it in the shower or when I'm driving or whatever. And the other one is kind of this like, ugh, yeah, you know, this kind of big sigh. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big sigh. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have some advice for us who struggle with the paradox of a project, especially a creative project, mm -hmm. that you, you, you want to do, you've dreamed of doing it, um, and yet you struggle so hard <laughs> yeah. to get started for all those kinds of fears? Uh, imposter could be a part of it for sure, but it just seems so overwhelming. 
and yet and you procrastinate and then it's like why am i procrastinating the thing that i want to do right how do we first tackle how do we get what's the first step to just i mean i guess you just get started but what what would you do if that was if you were in that situation um what would you do first just to get yourself started yeah i think there are a lot of different techniques and it really depends on the person but a couple things that have worked for me so one is like support if you can whether it's going to a focus party or like doing co-working with other people or like a little mastermind group where you share your goals and encourage each other or an accountability buddy or just some other people who are going to be supportive but also like not push you too hard or give you too hard a time like there's that fine balance of like encouraging but not like adding to the pressure in a negative way so other people for sure um, I will sometimes like look for structure. So like if there's a course I can take, like I, I wanted to write a TV pilot for many, many, many years. And eventually a couple years ago now, I just took a course on Coursera and it was like kind of not the best course, but it was like a structure with, with like homework assignments. And I was just like, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to follow along. And I got a first draft done and I've been working on that script for a while now. And it's, you know taken it in various places. But yeah, so some some structure can help. And then I think a lot of the problem sometimes is just maybe negative, like negative people around, or like people who want to project identities onto you or like, put too much pressure on you. So as much as possible, sort of like tuning that out and focusing on the right people (laughs) that that can help too. Yep, I can. That, that's good. That's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's tough when you're doing something that feels super scary and big, something that you've wanted to do for years. Like, yeah, it's it's hard to work on that. And once you get into it, it gets a little bit easier. Um, but certainly, the beginning can be really hard. And it's it's also the paradox of of failure, you know, because you never really fail unless you quit, unless you give up. And even then you can quit if it's intentional. I believe in that. But otherwise, you know, you only really fail if you just give up. Like we all learn from mistakes. We learn from failure and you have to do that. It helps you get better and better. So it's coming to terms with that psychology, I guess, of just being ready to put yourself out there. I want to ask you this too. How does it feel like being a... I mean, quasi-public figure, your your name's out there, your face is out there and things, and your book, mm-hmm. of course, and your TED Talk, my God, it's what, 7 million views now? Something like mm-hmm. that? I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing to think that, that that many people have seen it. And I wonder about the mentality of, or just the experience of, of going through that, because if for many of us, we're maybe introverts, shy, we're a bit more reserved, I've thought about ideas and putting myself out there and stuff like that. And just the thought that, you know, there's so many complete strangers I've never heard of, I'll never meet, I'll never talk to, and they know me, they know my face, and they have yeah. perhaps know something about my family or something that I've said, right? And I mean, I don't want to make it uncomfortable, but it's still just part of the process. If you want to put your message out there, yeah, it's yeah. part of that's just the the way it goes. You have to accept that. What's it been like for you to go through that process? Yeah, I mean, I definitely identify as an introvert. And so it's been awesome. And also sometimes it's a little bit like I want to kind of 
you know, go to my little remote island and like hide or like go into the woods. And, and I do that sometimes. But um, yeah, I think because my TED Talk and my book, I've worked really hard on those and I feel really proud of the work that I've done. I'm comfortable with those being out in the world. And I feel that way about most of Potty Like. I mean, maybe not like a blog post from 2011 or something, but like for the most <laughs> part, I'm quite proud of my work. And I, I like that it's out in the world and that I try and focus on the fact that it's helping people and less on, you know, what it means in terms of me. But I think that I'm sort of like an introverted leader, which is weird to say, but I think you can do that. Like, I remember at, at Everything Conference, I was like, okay, I know that I need to be on stage a little bit, <laughs> like maybe kick it off and maybe like show up from time to time. And like, I'd like to lead a small little huddle or something, but I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an MC. I don't like doing that sort of thing. So I sort of found my way of, of doing that. Like I, I got up there and I spoke from the heart and I was like really authentic and, um, talked about some stuff that was going on with me and some ideas and that I've been thinking about and the conference and, just found ways of doing it in my own way. And I think that, well, someone came up to me and said that she really appreciated it because she identifies it as, as an introvert as well. And she was like, how do I put myself out there, but still like be true to who I am and, and still feel comfortable and I see you doing it. And so, yeah. I, yeah, I just try and strike a balance that works. And I also like don't read the comments on TED.com or <laughs> like reviews of my book, which are like mostly good, um, mostly really good. But I still kind of have a rule because I'm I'm pretty sensitive. So Oh, you have to have those boundaries. Yeah. 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 And I, I care deeply about what putty peep have to say, if there are any concerns or legitimate criticisms or anything like that. But some random stranger on the internet it was never yeah. yeah like i don't you know i don't need to be reading that <laughs> absolutely i know on uh, one of my podcasts we got a one star review and it said the title was zero stars if i could Ugh. and we were like really so, <laughs> so unnecessary like, like come on now yeah exactly yeah i think i like to think uh, most people who might see that review would say that just makes the reviewer look Oh, yeah. Bad. And they probably used a fake name or something, right. you know, they're not yeah. being very accountable about it. So uh, that's stuff like that helps us, the creators who are the courageous ones yeah. putting ourselves out there, yeah, feel absolutely. more confident. <laughs> yeah. But that's it. You have to find your comfort level, I guess, in the balance between what um, what you want to do. Once again, a paradox that, you know, we like public speaking, a lot of us, and we're happy to be out there on stage. But that's it. I feel exactly the same way. Like, I love public speaking and I'm good at it and I've hosted events. I've been an MC and people are like, you're such a natural. And I do it, but like, I'll do my thing and then I'm gone. I might, like, I stay at the back of the stage, you know? Yeah, like, that's totally. enough for me. I remember hearing Malcolm Gladwell talk about this. He was, I think, an interview on CBC here in Canada and how this guy does, you know, presentations and talks all the time. And he loves it. He loves the stuff he talks about. And when he's done, he goes back to his hotel room and he curls up in a ball in a chair because yeah. it's just so draining. It takes it's so, so much draining. energy. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, if you didn't that. know that about him, you probably wouldn't think. Uh, more people are more and more aware of introverts and extroverts and stuff like that nowadays. But I wouldn't still, have thought like, that. Yeah. Yeah. His podcast is very like, he's very like engaged and invested. And yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. 
do you have a vision for the next, say, eight years of the Puttyverse or the next ten years of, of Putty-like? Do you, well, <laughs> since it's eight years that the community's yeah. been around, no, so just, we'll I'm double that. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, is it something that you see that it'll just grow and evolve organically, or do you like to give it some direction and planning from your end? Um, Sort of a mix, I would say. So, like, I, I never think, like, oh, this is my 10-year plan because I just know things are going to shift and change <laughs> and there's no point in doing that. I usually plan out like maybe a year ahead, maybe. The Puttyverse is running so well right now. I think I would like to just keep doing more of what we're doing, keep growing. So on the Putty-like side, we just redid the website. The new website came out, launched in June. Um, and I do have some thoughts on where I would like that to go. I'd like it to grow to be more voices, more diverse, just a space, like more of a media company, less Emily's personal blog, which is a direction we've been moving in for many years now, but I want to keep going and just like keep upping the quality and, you know, just amazing writers and different voices and more of that. And then, yeah, with the Puttyverse, I'm open. I mean, projects sometimes sometimes someone has someone on the team has an idea and we're like that is a great idea we should integrate that into the community but i think we're doing things really well right now so i'd like to keep going and keep growing and i don't have any like radical plans at the moment i guess that's what i'm saying <laughs> i think well it makes sense that's it's the type of community that is going to just evolve in its own way and you know what the big ultimate dynamic uh, variable of it is are the members, right? It's the people who join, yeah. maybe the people who leave, but whoever's present mm -hmm. in the moment that helps to shape the events, the actual events, the actual discussions and the huddles mm -hmm. and all that. You know, those are the people who make it. So you could say, you could say as a creative director and so on, like, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. You need people to do it. And it's better if it's driven by the people who have the idea, right? Say, I want to have this huddle, I want to start this group. So... It's exciting to think about who knows who knows where it could evolve and the ideas that people come up mm -hmm. with. Ah, I want to tell you, ask you this too. I, well, let's just put this out there. We've talked about a bit on the show about the idea of the putty verse community kind of creating something, some kind mm -hmm. of project, maybe a video or some kind of a book or I don't know something that uh, people would collaborate together and produce by the community, whoever wants to be involved in, and it'd be a big kind of project, but like a, a, even a tactile kind of tangible thing that evolves from this community. I don't know what that would be, but just something to keep in mind that it'd be a neat project for the future. Totally agree. I mean, we've done this on a smaller yeah. scale with putty comps. We made right. a yeah. book of comics, a book of poetry, a mixtape, you know, photography compilation, yeah, I'm open if someone wants to, you know, propose an idea for something bigger. I'm totally open. Putty comps, I think, have worked well because they're smaller projects. We usually do them in like a month or so. Bigger projects, I think sometimes like people get busy with other things. And I mean, you guys have been doing your podcast for three years. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like I'm open. I'm totally open. And that's one of the best things about the Puttyverse is I feel like we get to empower people and projects and help support in whatever ways we can. And it's so cool to see what our community comes up with. 
Yeah, and it's very community driven in that if you have an idea and you'd like collaboration, you put it out there mm -hmm. and then see what happens. And I really appreciate that because not to go too much into it, but um, for my high school years, I went to a very self-directed school where uh, there was no real structure and it was very student driven. And it's like, I want to do this. So I'm going to find the resources to do this thing. And I like that about the Puttyverse as well, because it just feels comfortable for me that way. And it's kind of like, oh, there's a thing that's interesting. I can join that if I want to. Oh, you know what? I'm really busy this month, so I'm not going to take anything on. Like, it's just very like what you want to make out of it. And I like that a lot. It's funny. I, I hadn't put the two together, but I am a super self-directed person and I love starting projects. And it's funny that there you go. <laughs> I helped create a space where other people can do that too. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we go, I want to tell a quick story. So back, um, my family's from Ontario here in Canada. And back in the summer of 2003, my sister and her husband at the time, they had two young kids, like very young, uh, two years old in a couple of months. Uh, her husband got a job as a teacher on some remote island we'd never heard of off the coast of British Columbia, where actually he was from Vancouver Island, but so he kind of knew. But anyway, they packed up the kids, they in this little station wagon and their dog, and they drove across the country to this uh, to this island called Cortez Island. And um, over the years, of course, we would all go out and, and visit them. And the kids had this amazing idyllic uh, childhood growing up in this temperate rainforest, uh, you know, living in the woods in a cabin with uh, the neighbors around and, and homeschooled. And that was, that was their life and their education. And it became kind of a second home to us for our family as we'd go and visit. It's, it takes three ferries to get there from the mainland from, say, Vancouver. So it's quite a trek. But uh, it sure is worth it when you get there. And the, one of the things is that as kids grow up on that island, you get to a point, there's no high school. So most families, they'll leave the island, they'll go to the city or, or at least Vancouver Island so the kids can go to high school, which was the case with my sister as the kids are like uh, 17 and almost 20 now. But um, I remember maybe four years ago, three or four years ago, when Emily said something about moving to a remote island <laughs> off the coast of Vancouver Island. And I thought, well... It could be the southern Gulf Islands. Uh, we did an episode a while ago with Mary from Gabriola Island, which is in the southern part. And, I mean, they're remote, but they're a little more accessible and easier to get to. But it didn't sound like that. It sounded like something a little <laughs> more remote. And unless you have your own boat, then <laughs> basically it has to be either Quadra or Cortez Island. And sure enough, it was. So I just think of you and Valerie off in, in this incredibly just stunning idyllic place uh, off the coast of Vancouver Island in the mainland and it's just a beautiful place to be inspired and to have community around you uh, you know and, and to live uh, a, a peaceful balanced existence it's a beautiful place to be and it's a neat connection that we have that's so cool I wonder if we know some of the yeah. same people I'm sure we do I mean everybody knows everybody yeah it's there's like what 800 or something year-round yeah. residents yeah. so you know most oh. people all know each other I love that's it so much <laughs> I love it so much it's just yeah I mean, our house is like a block from the ocean. It's such a dream. And I never thought, I, I grew up in Montreal, like mm. I, I never thought I would live in a s small town or like in a remote area, but I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. That's, That's so really awesome. cool that we have that connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat. Well, it's been a huge pleasure having you on our little podcast at last and <laughs> worth every, every second of the wait in the last three years. I think it would... Uh, yeah. It really was the right time to do it. Of course, you're welcome back anytime. 
But, uh, I was just waiting for you guys to ask me. I was like, I know they will at some point, so I'm just going to okay. hang on. <laughs> okay, so if we want you on again, we will ask. Yes. <laughs> That's the moral of that. <laughs> sure. So I hope everyone listening has enjoyed this, and it's a nice positive boost to the end of this year and over your holiday yes. season to enjoy our conversation. And uh, stay tuned for more, of course, in the new year. Yes. Thank you so much, Emily. Yeah, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Cheers. Aw. <laughs> you are too. <laughs>